Hello, and welcome to Bright Lights Big Data, a podcast about people, places, and data. I'm your host, Tammy Armstrong. And I'm Mike Armstrong. And we're here to bring you our episode zero, our introductory episode into this new podcast. So for this episode, we're going to talk a bit about um, why we're doing this, as well as sort of the basic structure. But if you want to dive right into our regular content, you can jump ahead to episode one, um, where we're going to be interviewing Mackenzie Elmer from the Des Moines Register. We moved to Des Moines about three years ago now, and when we, you know, moved to this new community, we were looking at, you know, how do things work, how do decisions get made, you know, if we want to get involved in our community, how do we actually go about doing that? Um, And as we talked to people that we met out here, a lot of people had those same issues or concerns that, you know, they've been told, like, hey, go talk to the Parks Board, and they're like, I don't know what the Parks Board does. Um, So we were hoping to dive into some of that with this podcast. Every other episode, we'll get to interview somebody from city council or a nonprofit or, um, you know, Department of Public Works, these different um, players in our city that sort of shape, you know, our day-to-day lives and our communities and figure out how they all kind of fit together and how we interact with them. So to uh, just get us started off, we're going to have a series of five interview questions that we'll ask everyone every time, and hopefully you'll, you'll get to know us a little bit through these questions. So Mike, what do you do and how did you get there? So I am a transportation planner with the Des Moines Area Metropolitan Planning Organization. Um, Seems like a mouthful. <laughs> yes, which of course means so much to everyone. Um, so we are... Um, a governmental agency, but we kind of fill a gap. Um, So we're not at the state level, we're not with the local level, so we're not city of Des Moines. Um, But we cover Des Moines as well as, you know, um, West Des Moines and Ankeny and Norwalk and Pleasant Hill, like this wide range of big and small communities throughout the region. Um, And at the end of the day, what we're here for is to um, get all of these different communities to work together. Um, to produce positive outcomes for everyone. Um, Our main focus is transportation, but we do a little bit of everything. This is what I went to grad school for, but it's not something I really knew existed. So when I went to undergrad in Chicago, um, I went for geography just because I liked the ways that people getting around affect their understanding of a city. So, you know, if you primarily take the train or the bus, you're... um, your mental map of the city is very structured to this grid system and you're really attuned to sort of time schedules because the bus or the train runs at these hours. Um, Eventually I started biking and suddenly I wasn't tethered to any grid or schedule. So that kind of sparked an interest in me and then I went to um, graduate school in Portland, Oregon. Um, Specifically for transportation planning, I Um, worked a little bit with a couple of community organizations teaching kids, you know, how to ride a bike in the city safely, um, how to maintain or fix up bikes. For these kids, introducing them to biking and figuring out, you know, how to plan a safe route and, um, you know, how to lock up their bike or fix a flat tire um, just really opened up parts of their neighborhood and parts of their city that they never got to experience before just because they couldn't get there. Um, So that was really important to me, and that's something that I want to keep in my work, um, you know, going forward. So I finished up grad school, um, did a little bit of work here and there, but then ended up at the um, MPO in Des Moines. And we moved here 
um, without sort of any expectations. We didn't really know people here. Mm-hmm. We had... Um, I have an aunt in the yeah, area. Yeah, you had one family member was, here. Yeah. Um, I had never been here before. Um, I didn't really hear anything good or bad about Des Moines. It was kind of just a blank slate. Um, but the job seemed like a good fit, and you know we were curious to try somewhere new. And so it's been really great settling down here and getting involved in this community. And I imagine that must be a tricky line to walk to to balance being an outsider and coming from a city like Portland, Oregon, that has so much great you know, bicycle and walking infrastructure, but not feeling like you're imposing something, but allowing for there to be organic development that's true to the community. Yeah, you know, we're not looking at any sort of antiseptic remedy of like, you know, here's the one way to do it, so we're gonna do it everywhere. Yes, we're doing Um, things that are sort of evidence-based and, you know, are going to make it safer and easier for people, Um, but at the same time sort of reflect the local context. So let's turn this around for a second. Tammy, why don't you tell me what you do and how you got there? And I'm going to pause for a second and just say that we do not represent our companies in this sense. Our opinions are our own and all of that, just to kind of get that out of the way. So I work in operations analytics at Wellmark Blue Cross and Blue Shield. We are the primary health insurer in Iowa and South Dakota, and I support the customer service function in our company. If you've ever called into a major company and heard that whole, this call may be recorded for quality and monitoring purposes message, uh, I'm one of those quality and monitoring purposes, so I focus on speech analytics. So I have software that allows me to build out um, kind of topics in calls and be able to compare those to metrics like um, the length of the call and then look for patterns to say, well, how can we make calls shorter? You know, how can we improve those processes? Is there low-hanging fruit? Are there opportunities for improvement and just kind of making everybody um, feel a lot better about the interaction process? I mean, it is a traditionally grumpy space. I mean, nobody enjoys... Right. Nobody ever calls to just say, I love you. (laughs) Um, So we're already kind of starting from a deficit in the sense that, you know, why did you have to call in the first place? Um, So you know, I get to kind of be a problem solver. In undergrad, I studied economics at Gettysburg College in Pennsylvania, where uh, close to where I grew up. And um, I really started studying that because I I really appreciated the lens that economics created on the world for me. Um, I could think about, you know, why people make the decisions that they made and um, start to put some numbers and theory behind that as well um, and got some statistical background through doing that. and I did my graduate education a couple years later after working in, in fundraising for a little while um, at North Carolina State University. I got my master's in analytics. So I got a really nice education into not only statistics and computer programming, but also project management um, and business communication. So I, I finished um, grad school and then I started my job at Wellmark and I've been pretty happy there ever since. So our second question, um, what are some common misconceptions about your work? 
So uh, yeah, analytics is a relatively new field, or at least it's a relatively new term on a field. I think statistics and computer programming have been around for you know a long time now. And because it's so new, there are a lot of misconceptions around it. There's a, a great quote um, from Dan Ariely, who's I believe a behavioral economist. Um, it, it goes something like, big data is like teenage sex. Um, everyone's talking about it. Everyone says they're doing it. Everybody wants to do it, uh, but nobody really has any idea how it works. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, I think, really um, accurate, actually. So, um, you know, I think people generally, when they hear analytics or data science, they just picture um, some hacker sort of person madly typing away at a computer and coming up with, you know, all of these um, solutions to every problem known to man. And, um, you know, it, it seems really magical. And, you know, there definitely are cases of people sitting in a corner and coming up with a model and it will perfectly predict, you know, their business for the next six months or something like that. But um, at least in the kind of industry articles and, and discussions that I've had recently, um, although those models may work really well, they often don't see the light of day um, because there's been that disconnect with the business. And uh, I don't know about you, but most people don't like just being told what to do. I do know about you. I'm married to you. Most people don't like being told what to do uh, without any kind of explanation or reasoning. Uh, and so I think, you know, it's to be successful, it's a lot more of relationship building and people work than just sitting at a computer programming and working with numbers. Talking to people whenever they ask me about your job, they expect it to be like high school math of there is a right answer. Mm, mm -hmm. Once you get past the very basic level of analytics, um, anytime, especially if you're doing anything predictive, um, it's about best guesses, right? So mm -hmm. I think about some of the sort of pop culture examples recently um i mean when uh donald trump won the presidential election you know everyone talked about <laughs> nate silver right mm -hmm. like he's, the first he, election he predicted incorrectly right he's supposed yeah. to be this sort of um you know the elite of the analytics community how how is he wrong about this if he mm -hmm. has the predictive model right yeah and and that's uh, yeah, it, it's easy to look at those sort of predictions and say, well, you got this wrong, so therefore everything you did must be wrong, and you were just getting lucky up to that point. Um, and it, you know, specifically to that example, Nate Silver actually had probably the most favorable model for President Trump to say that that he was the most likely to win out of all the other models. You know, he. He still had Hillary Clinton as the most likely to win, but, um, you know, it, it is to some extent a best guess, you know, using all of the information that we have available to us, some of which may be good, some of which may be bad um, for a variety of reasons, and coming out with a probability, you know, and we at some point decide that a probability is high enough to say we're going to predict X versus Y, um, but at the end of the day, there's still a probability that the other choice happens. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we have to deal with that a lot in business and saying, look, this is our, our best understanding of what may happen given the information available to us. In the aggregate over time, 
statistically speaking, we, we you know we couch in a lot of language like that. Uh, you'll you know make more money if you keep going with our decisions, but occasionally we're going to get that wrong, and they want to know why, and those are difficult conversations to have. So, Mike, what are some common misconceptions about your work? You know, I didn't know planner was a job. So there's definitely a lot of misconceptions just because it's not a well-known field in a yeah, lot of Yeah, I mean, cases. like, is Trapper Keeper a job? Like, <laughs> what does that mean? Um, so I think one of the biggest misconceptions is just about what is a planner. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also important to note there's not really a consensus definition. Um, for me, what a planner is, um, is somebody working directly with uh, communities to develop vision and goals. Like, where do we want to be, you know, 20, 30 years down the line? Um, And then as a planner, it is then my goal to build up uh, capacities within the community and work from my side within government to bring us as close to those goals as possible. So, you know, if people really care about as you know, members of the community get older, they want to be able to stay there. You know, they don't, they don't want to have to move to a home um, if they don't want to. Um, so they want to be able to stay where they live, you know. Um, age in place is what that's called. So if that's a really important goal for that community, um, I need to work with them, but also on their behalf um, to plan ahead to make that happen. Um, And I think where some of the misconceptions come about is that that's not always going to be things that people like in the short term. Mm -hmm. I want to say up front, I am not trying to be high-handed or make myself sound much more prestigious than I am. (laughs) But um, so you think about a doctor, Um, you set health goals, but I like eating, you know, cake and things like that. Um... But when it doesn't align with my health goals, you know, they're going to set here are ways that you can get to where you want to go. And they're not going to be things that I may enjoy as much in Mm -hmm. the short term. Um, So when we think about planning and transportation, especially, you know, some of the things that um, I'm proposing or working with the communities on um, may mean that you have to drive an extra two minutes to get to work. and that's irritating. Um, I don't like being caught in traffic just like anyone else, even though, you know, this is my passion, my day-to-day life. <laughs> right. Like, I still don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it is necessary to be able to provide um, better, you know, bus service or make it safer to walk around your community um, so that as you get older you still feel safe and comfortable enough to walk around your community and interact with neighbors and still meet those quality of life goals that you want. Um, The other big misconception I think um, that people have about my work is because transportation is something that people deal with every day, you have the assumption that you know more than you do about how it works. Mm -hmm. That's not meant to be like downplaying local knowledge. I mean, So much of my job is going out to talk to people, and Mm -hmm. you know your community best um, for a lot of things, but um, a lot of good practices, things that will make our communities better, um, make transportation safer, um, you know, make it function better even for people who are driving and are only ever going to drive, 
they're not the intuitive solution. Mm -hmm. So when you're driving every day and you're like, you know, why is the city trying to change the street from four lanes down to three lanes? So one in each direction and a center turn lane. That's just going to back up traffic like it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. The speed of traffic slows down a little bit, but the amount of time it takes to get through that corridor is the same. And it's much, much safer um, and actually functions a lot more efficiently um, because you no longer are able to jockey and like try to pass and pick which lane is going to be faster. Um, you know, when people are turning left, traffic won't back up behind them because they can't get over into a separate lane. But again, that doesn't make sense when you first think about it. Um, and that's for a lot of things that planners do um, that what's intuitive is not always the right choice. You know, we deal with that in analytics to say, you know, we're sort of fighting anecdotal status quo kind of logic. Yeah, and it's so hard to step out of current experience, right? Um, so one of the things I hear a lot is like, you know, why are you trying to improve transit? You know, I see buses and they're not full. Why are, mm -hmm. like, people don't want to ride the bus. We should just be planning for people driving. Mm -hmm. um, and in a lot of cases, these sorts of things are saying like, why are we going to build this bridge across the river? I don't see anybody swimming across the river, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. um, people make choices in how they, you know, get around in their day-to-day -day lives based on what's there. Mm -hmm. So that was question number two. And now question number three. Why should the community care about what you do? So communities should care about planning because this is the opportunity to set any sort of long-term vision um, for you know your neighborhood, for a specific street, for the entire town or city. Um, that what planners often do is um, work with elected officials, with staffs, with communities to figure out you know where do we want to be. 10, 20 years from now? What are our overarching goals that should guide all of our decisions? So if it's public health, if it's quality of life, if it's strong economic development, you know, these are all different things that we have to balance. Um, so we need to work with communities to find out what their priorities are. And then a lot of decisions kind of cascade from there. So it's really important to um, get involved with planning to care about planning because it's kind of that first step for any future city, regional, state level decision. So the other side of why people should care about planning is it impacts your life um, quite a bit. Our neighborhood within Des Moines, you know, we have a neighborhood plan. We have a couple of street or corridor plans in our area as well, and they're going to have a major impact in our life for the duration of our time that we live here. Um, but it's one of those things that people don't often think about as important to them until the last second, and it's something that um, is going to create a lot of problems for them. Um, so I think it's, I think planning has a lot of value, and I think it's also very important to communities specifically to get involved with planning um, because great plans and great outcomes, I don't believe, are designed or developed in a quiet room by yourself. 
mm-hmm. um, that it requires this conversation, that it requires these different perspectives, um, that we need to have this local knowledge and everyday experience combined with this larger scale view and how do all the different pieces fit together. I think that's a theme that we want to dig into with our future guests in our interviews. When people think about their local communities and how to affect change, I think a lot of people kind of stop at this point of, well, I just need to vote for the right person. You think about your elected officials as being the people who control these kinds of things, um, but there really are a lot of other players out there um, in ways that people can get involved, you know, attending listening sessions and, and really having their voices heard to say, this is what I need in my community. This is what I want. Um, so whether it's with your work from a transportation perspective or something else, um, you know, there, there are people out there that are focused on these things. So Tammy, why should the community care about what you do? So I'm going to answer this in kind of two ways because I don't necessarily work directly with the community the way that you do and the way that maybe some of our our future guests will. Um, So first, in in my current role, um, you know, if you interact with uh, my employer, then hopefully uh, the work that I do will help that be a more pleasant experience for you uh, and just generally make everything that our company impacts work a little better. You know, if we can be more efficient, um, if we can provide um, just an excellent customer experience, then uh, maybe that impacts the listener and um, the community. The, The other angle that I wanna talk about is sort of just the broader data science and analytics industry. Um, Data science and analytics have been taking up more and more of our headlines lately. Um, it's something that I think people are aware of that exists, but um, people don't really understand how it works. You know, I think a lot of people get scared by just the word algorithm. Um, you and I kind of busted up when we were watching, uh, rewatching Captain America Winter Soldier and, and um, what's his name? Zim, Zim Zola. <laughs> what's his name? Sure, Zim Zola. What's his name? Yeah, Zim Zola was saying. <laughs> they they find him in this bunker, right? And he's like, I have I have developed an algorithm to to predict everything in the world that you're going to do. And and I think Black Widow says, Oh, an algorithm, you know. And she has this this terrified reaction to just the word algorithm and like, you guys Making pasta is an algorithm, <laughs> you know, it's just a series of steps that you take uh, repeatedly and that you can describe. And yes, there are algorithms that are really, really complicated and that, um, you know, in, in order to achieve in our lifetimes, we're having computers do them. But at the end of the day, you could do them by hand. Um, it's just kind of infeasible to do it. I personally want to break down this sort of fear that causes us to push information away and not look at it because of how much data science and analytics are taking up the headlines. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of um, ways that data and analytics are being used to impact our lives, and I think that we need to take a good hard look at that and at least be data literate to the point where we can ask the right questions. You can break it down to a point where somebody can understand it well enough and not make it just magic and mysterious and just trust me um 
<laughs> no, I'm so nervous. This is still my approach of pasta. It's just magic and mysterious. <laughs> I followed the steps and I have a tasty dinner. Uh, but but even then, I mean, I think that's funny, but it's it's actually a good analogy that like, well, you know that you need to cook the pasta for, you know, at a certain temperature for a certain amount of time. And you can start with the recommendation that the box has of like nine minutes for the spaghetti, but you might check it at like eight minutes, right? Um, because you understand that it needs to go from being hard pasta to soft pasta, but if you cook it for too long, it's going to be mushy pasta and you're not going to like that. And if you understand that the time is the variable that matters, and it's not just, well, sometimes I throw this pasta in a pot and I like how it comes out at the end, and sometimes I hate how it comes out at the end, and I have no control over that. That is why you are the senior pasta analysis. I am the senior pasta mancer. Uh. So let's let's very quickly move on to the next question. Um, what are you most excited about right now? Uh, the the quick answer is this podcast right now. You know, this is a totally new venture for us. But professionally, uh, one of the things I'm most excited about right now is a change that we put into place recently. Um, so if you'd called us up in the past as a, a member. Um, we would ask for some information like your customer ID through the touch tone system, um, but we ask for everything else to prove your identity and so we could protect your health information. We asked you that with a, a live person on the phone. And uh, in the work that I do with speech analytics, we were kind of noticing that pop up over and over again that, man, this seems like it's taken a long time to get through all of this information. And um, so we were able to take something as, as ambiguous as a long time and actually quantify that and see how much time we were spending on the phone and put together a business case to say, it's actually, it's really worth it for us to automate this and it'll improve the customer experience that they can feel like they're not answering this information that, you know, maybe they've um, partially given over the phone already and, and get, um, right to the point faster. So we, we actually put that into production um, in the last couple of months and we, we've seen a, a corresponding drop in our call durations. Uh, and so it's, it's always really exciting when you get to see something that you've worked on um, come to fruition. And um, so that's, that's really exciting to see that happen. But it's also exciting because it just plants a seed for future work of a similar kind. Nice. So, Mike, what are you most excited about right now? So, I'm sure this will come up other times on the podcast, but planning, and especially transportation planning, takes a long time. That For the MPO, a lot of the things that we're doing are for 20 years from now. At the town or city level, a lot of things that they're doing are for 5 to 10 years from now. So, you know, if they want to change, you know, University Avenue, um, that's going to take you know, anywhere from three to five years to really make all the changes. Um, and that's, that's depressing <laughs> at times. Um, you want to see faster changes. Um, but the other side is that it's not a great process. So one thing that I'm really excited about is this idea of um, better blocks. Um, they're kind of one of the first groups in the U.S. that started this. It's called a lot of different things. Um, but it's about taking temporary materials and making um, short-term changes so that people can visualize what that street or that block could be. Um, and then 
while it's there, you know, for a day or for a weekend um, with street trees that aren't there before and cafe seating or, um, you know, street changes that make um, it safer to walk and drive and bike and all that kind of stuff that we want to see, um, it's also flexible. Um, so we want to put it on the ground, get people to see it and interact with it. And then we can find out, hey, we actually need to move this over six inches or a foot so that it'll function better. And we can do that. You just walk over and move the planter over six inches. Whereas if we went in from day one pouring new concrete, well, that's another 20 years before we can make any changes to mm -hmm. that without spending a ton of money. So. I'm excited about this as a way to interact with the community um, and hopefully lead to faster projects and better projects for the outcomes that we're all looking for. With planning projects taking so long, there's almost a sense of like credit that gets lost, right? I, I don't know that I would personally remember the process of how a streetscape or something was designed five, ten years ago. You know, if it if the process takes that long, you start to get, you know, once it's implemented, well, nobody asked me, you know, like, why did they do things this way? And it's like, well, it made sense five years ago. And, and you know, it, it, you kind of get to have a better feeling, but also maybe a closer connection, I would assume, to saying like, oh, yeah, the MPO did this for us. Yeah, it, it definitely builds better relationships for us um, on a personal level. I mean, there is a lot of that satisfaction of seeing change um, and seeing people interact with what you do. Um, you know, at the MPO especially, um, we have some fantastic plans and products that have made a big impact on the community, but they're all these little pieces sp spread throughout the region um, that are not really that noticeable. Um, and those are good. I, you know, enjoy working on that stuff too. And I see the value, but it's also nice every once in a while to be like, here's a project for the weekend, um, that we're going to turn out and see the results right there. So, um, it's, you know, fun to have this different kind of thing. And, um, you know, it's something that I think will be good and positive, but it's also something that I'm excited about and will enjoy the actual work too. All right, so the first four questions have really been softballs, honestly. And it, it all comes down to this last question, our fifth and final question. Are you ready for it? No. Well, here it comes. What should we have for dinner tonight? I mean, we just talked about pasta a lot, so that's certainly <laughs> on my mind. Um, this is how, how malleable I am in terms of this question. I, I don't bring a lot of originality to the table, so... Um, please, guests, show up to our podcast, help us answer this, because this is just not happening. This is probably, honestly, this is, like, the thing we are most likely to divorce over. <laughs> this is, right, this oh, is what will kill our marriage. No, uh, this is what we struggle with the most, so absolutely, yeah. Come, come help us answer this question. So that's our interview, guys. <laughs> um, we hope that you've enjoyed that to this point and that you're excited to hear it with uh, some guests. Please stick with us. I know we're a little <laughs> rough around the edges. Um, and the show will evolve with you guys as, you know, as we talk to people who are listening, as we continue to do this show and interview guests, um, you know, we're going to keep making those adjustments and make sure it's something that resonates with all of you and provides value for our 
um, everyone listening. Yeah, and so if you do have feedback for us, um, you know, feel free to send us an email at brightlightsbigdata at gmail.com uh, or send us questions or ideas for people we can interview. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at blbdpod. Thanks to everybody who has encouraged us to do this to this point. Um, I want to especially call out the New Leaders Council Des Moines. Um, I have the privilege of being a 2018 fellow with NLC. Um, One of the hallmarks of that institute is a capstone experience, and this is my capstone. Um, So thanks, Mike, for joining me with this (laughs) and um, following this, this wild hair of an idea. Um, I want to say thanks to Regina Spector for the use of our theme song, Us. (laughs) Um, That was one of uh, the first songs Mike ever put on a playlist for me, and we really love what that um, song talks about as well. Um, And we also want to thank uh, the Twitter user at R.A. Schneiderman for our title of our show. We kind of put it out there that we were doing the show and wanted some ideas, and we had a couple ideas come around, but just really fell in love with this bright lights big data as a way to kind of marry our two industries um and represent kind of the show that we're trying to do here we're excited we hope you're excited um and we're gonna move forward from there stick around there'll be lots more yeah we'll be talking to you again soon